черных упадочных очков можно быть реалистом, при этом оптимистом можно будущего ждать, но не мечтать и на кофейной гуще не гадать, сотворять судьбу свою самим прямым действием своим конкретным иногда. Даже незаметным это делает тебя бессмертным. Тогда практика победы, это знали наши деды, и они победили себя, освободили. Мы пойдем их путем свободу, обретем, будем песни распевать и рюмку водки Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Welcome to LWAFLML. <coughs> Carl. Yes, LWAFLML. <coughs> O T Y T L A F L M O Y T. Welcome to L W A concerning cough during a pandemic. F L M O Y T. <laughs> Better known as Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Sorry, I, I coughed a little. Yeah, I, I know. Carl. I just caught a computer virus. Thank 
thanks. It's COVID-21. You got the cookie monster virus. COVID-21. Oh, yes. Okay. God bless. I'm in talks with Michael Bay to make that movie. Welcome to the show. So good at movies. We are called Let's Watch a Full Make Movie on YouTube, but we go by the acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast. We'd love for you to follow our Twitter account if you want the 30 that does. And then we have a great YouTube channel uh, curated by Carl. It's L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And we're also on YouTube as Let's Watch uh, on Facebook. It's Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Sweetland and Carl. We also stream first on mutinyradio.fm, uh, which we really love, and we would yeah. love for you guys to go ahead and donate. Go to Venmo and go donate some money to the radio station at Mutiny Radio, and uh, that would help us out considerably. But we are on every Sunday afternoon, 5 p.m. Eastern, so you can hear our show first. What we do is we play, we talk over a movie, and you watch the movie on YouTube and listen to the podcast, and we've been doing this for about four or five years. Yeah. have over 400 episodes, all available on mutinyradio.fm and the podcast archives. Just look for an acronym with a concerning cough in it, <laughs> and then you'll see a list. We actually have a list. We did this last year. You know, we have done every week movie. A couple of weeks we skipped, a couple of weeks we did not. And uh, we uh, want to just take a year review. Uh, the way our show works is that I've always read about these movies uh, growing up. But you never had an opportunity to see these weird movies. And now they're all on YouTube, so we get to see it. So unlike other movie shows, we just talk over the movie, which is like <laughs> other movie shows. So, uh, but Carl does a lot of research on these movies, and he has a lot of information about it. And uh, a lot of the hard work is through Carl to make this happen. Anyway, we have a lot of movies this year. Carl, do you have any films that just stand up this year? Any, anything noticeable about the films we watched? There are many films that stand out, but there's too many for me to make a top 10 list, so I just sort of did them all. Well, you know what we could do is we started off the year with one of our most pop winds up being one of our most popular videos on YouTube. Yeah. It's the 1984 film, They're Playing With Fire. Right. It's an entire sentence for a movie title. Uh, <laughs> and that had uh, 28.7 thousand uh, views. Also, our synced up podcast with the movie. So uh, that's a it's a great film. I really like that. Sybil Danning and yeah. uh, some terrible kid uh, run amok in their yeah. Uh, Eric husband's Brown boat. Is, it was a terrible kid, and they didn't have any chemistry. You know, they didn't uh, they 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 didn't like each other off screen, and you, it really showed. Yeah, I agree with you. She really seemed like she was ready to make a movie, and he was not into it. No, uh, one of our favorite. So that's, you can find us, these movies are not listed with the titles. So when you do go to miniradio.fm uh, uh, and then go to Podcast Archives and go to LWF, uh, our, our thing, uh, you will see that they're just by dates. So this is just considered a guide. So we just mentioned January 5th. January 12th, we did a movie directed by Larry Hagman, Beware yeah. Blob. Beware the Blob. That was all Hagman. 1972 Hagman, so he was in between uh, television epics. Right. That's the only movie he ever directed, and basically it was a bunch of his neighbors. Like Murgis Meredith, Meredith. Yeah, but Del Close, the godfather of improv. Do you, do you remember the comedian who passed away who was on it? Chester Haggis. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of uh, it's a, it's, a, it's a, it was good. I like it. it was kind of a parody of a 
kind of comedy, like improv comedy about horror movies? Well, I mean, it was The Blob. I mean, it was a legit movie with plot and everything and main characters. It was just a lot of fun. Do you remember Shirley was in it? <laughs> she was the hippie Cindy Williams. Yes, heavy Cindy Williams is in it. She was great. Not the first time we've seen a movie with her. Right. Uh, she was in Ghasts. Right. Uh, the right. Roger Corbin well, so we recommend Beware the Blob, and that is January 12th. All right. January 19th, we did Lost Angels, starring that BC boy who acted in the movie Lost Angels from 1989. Adam Horowitz. Adam Horowitz, yes. Uh, and he was like a, a rich kid, or was he just like a confused kid? He was like a, a upper middle class. But do, do you remember why we did that movie, Mike? Yes, I do. Uh, the BC Boys had written the memoirs as yeah. the members, like BC Book. And Adam Horowitz says, whatever you do, do not watch this movie. I'm embarrassed by <laughs> and it. so you said we must immediately watch this movie. Absolutely. So I fell for it, and we watched it. And, you know, I actually agree with Adam Horowitz. No, it's it's fine. Yeah. I remember the movie when it came out. Paulie Shore was in it. Paulie Shore was in the institution. He was kid number three. Yeah. That that helped launch his career. So we we appreciate you, Adam Horowitz. Okay, one last thing. Let me just say about this film. It, the director went on to be a for real director. I mean, he did Chariots of Fire and Greystoke, you know, Lord of Apes, Tar Tarzan movie, essentially. And also Donald Sutherland was in it. But he's no slouch even then. Well, he's he's a prolific actor, to put it mildly. He he's in everything, so it didn't surprise me, but. Yeah, he, he held it. You know, one of the nice things that happened in 2020 was that the public domain laws were re uh, finally reinstated what? after a 20 year hiatus and right. movies went into the public domain. And one of the nice things we can do every January is to take a new movie that is in the public domain and watch it in <laughs> peace. Exploit that. Yeah, so we exploited that on January 26th, if you're going down our list on the archive. And it was a movie called Peter Pan from 1924. Yeah. And it's funny, Pan's from the lusty god of music, and that's not what Peter Pan is. No, well, this this was like I guess based really on the book or the play. I guess on the book, yeah. It was a, I'm not. I think it was a book first, but certainly it, the movie was the play, at least the interstitials. They tried to capture the play on film. It was slightly different. There was that animal guy. Do you remember him? Yeah, I do. And, and we think he was also the crocodile. And um, one thing that was peculiar is in the U.S. version, they raised the American flag, you know, stars and stripes. But in the British version, they're raising the Union Jack. Oh, wow. Well, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I think Peter Pan's playing it both ways. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Yeah, I think, I think he's, so. He's got some, some scheme going on. He's like, if there's a, the World War, I know which side I'm going to ally with. Well, that was good. That? It was a, it was a silent that? movie, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was a silent movie, and that really upset me because if it's in the public domain, that means we can play the audio. <laughs> uh, well, the, no, but the movie is in the public domain, but the music version might be different rights. Uh-huh, I see. That's right. I think you just still... mentioned that in the episode. All right, well, that was a controversial moment during Peter Pan. That's We're now in February. February 9th, we did Furry Vengeance from nineteen yes. from 2010, which is, of course, Brendan Fraser versus a raccoon. Yeah, the, the 
be that killed Brendan Fraser's career? Well, you know, he, he had an interview and he revealed a lot of stuff about his life. Yeah. But yeah, I think I do agree. For well, he admits he's ashamed of this film. I mean, I am being a jerk to him, but he admits he's ashamed of this film. I don't know. Well, the we, director was for real. He did Cruel Intentions and The Sweetest Thing. And but all I remember is this, he, here is Brendan Fraser, one of the biggest international movie stars right. in the last two decades finding a raccoon squirrel puppet like on the floor like pretending he's a real thing and like giving it his all like there's nothing really wrong did. with his performance except that i was asked to do it <laughs> he used to be in great shape you know he did the action movies but he eased up on this demanding physical rec uh, regimen for this movie he thought it'd be funny to you know be the dad right with the muffins right Okay, look, the best thing about this film, Billy Bush. Billy Bush is in it. Yeah, well, so Billy Bush from the this, from the Donald Trump tape accent. But, yes, yeah. he's really from the Bush family, and he was on Access Hollywood, the, the Trump controversy. So there you go. There's our... Uh, but look, uh, we got to make a shout-out to these comedians, Mike. I think you forgot. Remember, Jim Norton was in it. Yeah, Jim Norton, that's right. I remember it was kind of the Jim Norton crew in there. It was and cool. Patrice yeah. O'Neill, who had some sort of tragic story, right? He died early. Yeah, so that's right. All right, so Patrice O'Neill. So he had a bunch of good comics. So would you recommend Furry Vengeance? Ron we saw Riggle. It on um, what was it? Ron Riggle, that, that's a comedian who became an actor. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's fun. Uh, you're right about that scene. It's clear he's, it's a puppet. But uh, I don't know, it entertains. <laughs> yeah, it's entertaining. It shouldn't have killed his career. That's too rough. It's not that. Yeah. On February 16th, we watched Wildflowers from 1999. Yeah. A movie from 1999, Carl, yeah. the best year ever. Yeah, remember our, our joke about Roadrunner? <laughs> Beep Yes. So this is a film that's shot in the Bay Area, which is inseparable as our show is. I, if it's from the Bay Area, I'd like to see mm -hmm. it. And it's out of Sausalito. Uh, and there's these boats. You know, wouldn't it be cool to live in a boathouse, Carl? Right. It was. It's not. It, it really Kelly isn't. lived there, and it was great. It was Claire, uh, Clea Devon. Yeah, well, here's a film where I think it was Daryl Hannah was a, a yes. woman who was a hippie. The mom. And, uh, she was the mom. She was she not was the, mom. the mom. Well, so the, the girl, uh, the teenager, comes of age and comes meets her real mom, who was a hippie. Yes. And when she, she tells Daryl, she goes, Daryl, I'm your daughter. And Daryl says, beep, beep. <laughs> That was, that was it. That was a funny joke at that episode right there. But it was a good movie. I like that oh, one. It was so sweet. Right that excellent scene in which they were in the wilderness in that abandoned house, right? It was sort of like a lean-to or something. And, yeah, she goes, you're my mom. And she goes, shoom, beep, beep. <laughs> oh, <laughs> runner. <laughs> if she can't choose you, your mom. You're my mom. Blues Travelers was in that. Yeah, it was good. It was a good cast. And Eric Roberts. I don't know. It was all you know, yeah, the, Eric Roberts right before he kind of, he's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, bring, I'll take it. Hello. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought maybe it would be someone who's yeah. off. No, hi, Mom. Hi. Hello, this is you reach Eric Roberts. I'll take the role. Hello, your vehicle. This is the vehicle notification uh, call. Sounds great. I'll be there on Monday. All right, Eric so Robert style 444444444. Four, 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 four. 
He gives a sincere. He's he gives a really good performance in that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it. It's, it's a good movie. It's worth looking at. I we still have Popcorn Films channel, I believe. Our next film is the Oh, yeah, that's right. There was a, it was a North Beach Cafe that she was in. I'm not sure. I just know it was Wayne County and a bunch oh, right. of yeah. yeah, and she had a yeah. great house. It was like there was a courtyard in the back. Yeah, cool. no, it's beautiful up there. Absolutely. So, yeah, you get to see it. A lot of hippies, you know, out mm-hmm. there. So. Older, older hippies. So it was good. It was a solid movie. Not as good as The Matrix from that year, but, you know. Right, not as good as The Matrix. Our show, uh, on February 23rd, we watched Bugsy Malone from 1976. Fun film. Fun film. All the What's little that? kids under 17 years old, every single cast member, including Jodie Foster, Scott Bayo, and Dexter Fletcher. Yes, who we know from The Mo- Mad Monkey. What is it? Uh, Desperate. Oh, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> what is Twisted that? Obsession. Yeah, Twisted Obsession. Obsession, which was in England called The Mad Monkey, and in Spain was called El Sueño de Moco, uh, Mono Loco. So, a lot of history to that movie. So, I Dexter Fletcher, uh, director, yeah, yeah, Rocket Man, for fuck's Rocket sake, mm-hmm. and yeah, and he took over from Ryan Singer, as it were, for, in uh, Rhapsody. He also did Bohemian Eddie Rhapsody. the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle was a fun film. Uh, it was 2015. Uh, it's a little unrealistic, that film, but he did a good job. So he went on to, he is something interesting, but there also the music of Paul Williams was in it, and they did the adults instead of king, kids as singers. Yeah. Well, you know, they have, uh, they reenact gangsters, the, the whole the film lore of gangsters, and they sing as a musical as part of yeah. film lore. They're also kids. So instead of gunfire, there's uh, pie fights. Right. And it's directed by Alan Parker, who did Pink Floyd The Wall, of course. And it's just a stylized Avita, and, and, and it's just as great as those films, even yeah. though it's hard to get over the fact they're kids. He was uh, ashamed of this film for years, and it wasn't in his memoirs. And it was like when he was in his like 80, late 80s that he finally said, you know, this film is fun. Do you remember the pedal cars? Yeah, right. That's how they got around, like the Flintstones. And you already mentioned the splurge guns. That was a lot of fun. And the songs were fun. You know, it was it was good. It was Scott Bale made out with Jodie Foster behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, you know, if you go to his Twitter account, he lists uh, Buzzy Malone as one of his films. He should. It yeah. was his first. You know, he didn't even want to do it. He was sick of going into Manhattan. It was his parents. He wasn't a big famous guy. And they... He, you know, he went in, he read the thing, and he slammed it down and left. And and the director was like that. Alan Parker was like, "This guy's for me." Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And he did. He holds it together. And then he became Chachi. So it's definitely uh, Chachi. Yeah. Yeah. What, it's one last thing. Do you remember yeah. that actor who played the tough guy? Remember? He yeah. Was from Brooklyn, he was an unknown. This this Alan Parker went to all these schools and said, who's the worst kid in this class? And they went, you know, they pointed at him. He, I don't know. He just fell into the role and he did it perfect. Our next film was actually, we, uh, you, uh, as you know, the pandemic. Carl flew over to, uh, to San Francisco to Mini right. Radio Studios. Uh, we were part of the fifth annual Mini Radio oh. Comedy Festival. And we were very excited because we had multiple shows 
uh, one uh, with live audience as well. And uh, so on the July, so that aired uh, live. Uh, was that the one where, uh, no. So well, was this the Dante's Inferno and um, the Tarantino film? Right. So we watched Dante's Inferno, another uh, movie from My Fresh Prince Bird. Yeah. Which was pretty good. For, you know, it was a bridge version, to be honest with you. It wasn't, you know, they couldn't fit everything in that, in that 25 minutes. And well, then we watched. It was like burnt in a fire. There's only 36 minutes that remain of it. But the burnt in a fire might be a myth as well. Well, that's true. Maybe they covered the other two books. Uh, but well, they can burned I just say, I really enjoyed going out to San Francisco. This was two weeks before lockdown. We didn't know it was coming. I didn't know it was coming. No. And you were very hospitable. We did a lot of edge of insanity appearances together. Um, we did that show where we did clips about San Francisco. And playlist on Luggish Tuesdays. We did the rats are coming. The werewolves are here. We had a lot of fun that visit. It was like a week and a day or something. It was good. Oh, absolutely. So I, I would say, like, if you want to check it out, uh, listen to our March 1st episode. And Carl, it was great to have you in San Francisco. And, I, and absolutely, we did some sketch, uh, some stand-up shows as well. Yeah. Uh, and if you check out later in the month on March 22nd, the rats are coming, the werewolves are here. We had comedians from the festival join us. Yeah. Uh, so you can go ahead and listen to that. And then uh, just like rounding off uh, March 8th, we did Ape for 1975, six. Carl, fill me in. My, my head's full of holes. Okay, the reason is Ape was unremarkable. Ape was attempting to be a ripoff of King Kong. It was 19, uh, of, in 1976. It was a South Korean-American venture, but it had 3D effects. That was oh. like a hook. And, the you know, it did Ape with the mash asterisks in between it. Um, they got sued. Right away, right away, and they had to change the name. It was going to be called the New King Kong, huh. uh, and it was a one point five million dollar lawsuit. And they just kind of just threw up their hands and said, "Okay, we'll change the name. All right, no problem." Yeah. They named yeah, it on. Super Ape. Super Ape. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, there's that's, that's the reason why I had no idea. Our movie on March fifteenth was Swap Meat, the delightful yeah. film from nineteen seventy nine. Swap Meat. Uh, it's kind of unremarkable, but it was, I don't know, it was nice to see Danny DeVito at the age of Taxi and uh, Rhea Perlman, um, you know, back in the day. But my favorite part of this film was it starred not Bud Court. Your favorite character actor who looks a lot like character actor Bud Court, but yeah. he's not. Bud Danny Court. Goldman is his name. Well, Danny Goldman was memorable in it. It was basically, it would be great now during the pandemic to go to a drive-in movie house that we open up, park your car, and watch Swap Me, which takes place in the 70s in a drive-in movie house, where during the day, the drive-in movie theater, the parking lot, becomes a swap meet. Yes. Where people sell their stuff. And it was the adventure. It was pretty solid. I, I liked the movie. It had a memory. John Breyers was in it. Scott Breyers? Uh, John Greyers, who you like from Joysticks. He was King Vidyat in Joysticks. Oh, that's right. Sure. And from uh, Napoleon Dynamite. That guy's great. Uncle Rico. Yeah, Uncle Rico. Yeah, he was very funny in that and swap me. Uh, as we mentioned, March 22nd was The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here, a low-budget yeah. film directed by a low-budget 
cult director whose name Andy I don't know about this. Andy Milligan. Andy Milligan. This was 1969. He was in this all England and in this house, and he's like such an opportunity. He filmed four films there, and he filmed them simultaneously. God, yeah. So it made, and then he edited together. The only thing I remember about this film, besides having uh, some great comics with us, yeah. was that he, there was one girl who was stabbing a, a rat with a knife, and yeah. she was really stabbing. Yeah. She was playing with it, like like I'm gonna see how close that I can yeah. hit. But she and hit she the radical. That's right. So that's it. That's what you can see. It's on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. uh, on March 29th, our last movie was National Lampoon's Robo Doc. That was fun. 2008, National Lampoon, like you said, it was written by two doctors. Two real medical doctors wrote the uh, story. It's it's a robo doc who walks around some hospital and much to the charge. He's data. That was our Star Trek connection. He pretends he's data. With Michael Winslow shows up in the first three minutes, doesn't do a sound effect. He does one when he quits the, right. the hospital right. and he goes, beep, beep, blurp, I'm out of here. Yeah, and right. Then, that's it. That's it. And then he gets top billing. That All right. Just, well, what about Alan Thicke then? I'm Alan Thicke and... Uh, yeah, it was all right. You know, he, he, God bless him, rest in peace. I don't think it was when he died. It was, but he just, I don't know, they hired Eric Roberts' phone must have been down that day. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they did manage to get the kid from uh, uh, Married with Children they and his wife. Yeah. And his wife. His then wife. His then wife is one of the nurses in this film. I enjoyed that film. I recommend it. It was stupid. Well, it was like his 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 robo doc abilities is seducing nurses, <laughs> which we see in first person. Oh, robo doc! That perfume you're wearing—it's enticing he me. Looked like the brother. No, he died. Uh, the brother died, and so like he made robo doc to sort of be in the image of his brother, like as an homage. And then the old girlfriend showed up, the fiance, who was—you know—that's why there was an attraction. Okay. National Lampoon's name is also on National Lampoon's Replicate. We watched Very, that good. Very uh, good film. From 2002, more of a standard National Lampoon movie. It's about these college kids, and they just can't get a woman. And wouldn't it just be great if they just built a woman? <laughs> so, weird science, they build a replicate named right. Kate. Replicate. Replicate. They replicated she, her. They replicated her. See, they replicate her, and there's shenanigans in the collegiate lab. And but more importantly, she learns to become a dude. And at the end of the well, film, yeah, that was yeah. the whole plot. They they said, okay, we're raising a child here, so let's raise her to like sex and drink beer and be into sports and all the uh, like uh, heterosexual jock things. So they get exactly what they deserve. Now look, it. She's a beauty pageant title holder, this actress. She was beautiful. She won yeah. Miss USA. She's with, with George Bush, and the first lady saw her movie and asked her, to, saw this movie, and so she was sitting next to them in the State of Union. You know, she was sitting by the mom. All right. Well, there, yeah. And uh, she's, she's funny in the movie. I mean, she definitely <laughs> holds it together, but, yeah, it's kind of like a... No, wait. What about Eugene Levy? It was oh great, this movie. Right, so he uh, he was like a mayor or something like that. He didn't have well, a twin. He was, the, he was the head of the lab, right? 
And so right. they were his grad students working under him with the cloning machine, you know? So he was, where's my report? The president's gonna, this thing better work. You're gonna work all night. He did that, but remember he got replicated himself and he, all he, they taught him how to say is get out of here. <laughs> it was very funny. This was a good film. Replicates had about three or four days to be learn what to do, but he, but the clone doesn't know anything. So all he knows is how to say "get out of here." <laughs> That's all right. A good So now, now we're going to get Eugene Levy comedy. Just act stupid. Okay, wait. Well, that's replicate. Yeah, it ends with her, like, kind of being a toxic dude to the drinks, and they, they have to stay at home while she drinks beer. Okay, so uh, on April 12th, we watched from 1925, I believe, another public domain movie, The Salvation yeah. Hunters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, this was not a public domain movie. This was uh, Joseph von Sternberg's artistic film that helped launch his career about yeah. a bunch of uh, existential ne'er-do-wells by the river docks. Right, right. Do you remember he put the Vaughn in the middle of his name just to sound cool, to sound European? Right, because he was Joseph Sternberg, and I had I had watched the three of his films were on part of a box set. One of the few times I went to the library before shutdown, mm -hmm. and I watched the collection. And I actually held on to it during quarantine, and uh, this film was always mentioned as like this was how he he got attention and stuff like that. And well, played he and flipped it into Charlie Chaplin's home. He made it as if it had been a delivery. <laughs> And Charlie Chaplin was like, oh, what? You know, I can't do Chaplin. He's, what the hell is this? And he, he reeled it. See, when Salvation Hunters came out, it, it bombed. It, it just completely bombed. Nobody went. The audience was the cast members. Uh, so he snuck it into Charlie Chaplin's house. And Charlie Chaplin liked the film. He fell in love with it. April 19th, we watched Kung Fu Mahjong 2. Right. Now, you remember why we saw Kung Fu Mahjong 1 by mistake, remember? Right. I was looking for a different film directed by Johnny Cho, uh, and I gave Carl the wrong link. And we watched a film called Kung Fu Mahjong, which was great. It was a parody yeah, of Kung really Fu Hustle, it. and it had a lot of the Mahjong jokes, which is what I look for in Mahjong movies. And the director went on to make the sequel, two sequels, back-to-back. -back. Right. And, yeah. Like, two's this not bad. This one came out the same year. In 2005, January, Kung Fu Mahjong came out, and this one came out, I forget what month, but it was also 2005. Yeah, and it's solid. It's a funny movie. Yeah. It's, uh, there, I think, uh, I don't know, you know, I, you should check out a film called Kung Fu Heroes from the early 80s. It's on Netflix now, and it has a lot of Mahjong jokes in it. It's, uh, you can you kind of see like how this kind of helped pave the way for Kung Fu Mahjong. I was teasing you that she dies in the end. Like you thought I, you know, I was like, it's too bad when she dies. It's tragic. Yeah, you know, I fell I all for it. I did fall for it. Didn't the director of Kung Fu Mahjong 2 also act in it? 
yeah, he was the. I think maybe that was Kung Fu Mahjong One. Oh, okay. The, the head of the mob guy, and his girlfriend was, you know, it wasn't the daughter. It was his girlfriend that he liked, and okay, that's the, the wrong year. Yeah. She well, doesn't Carl, die go. in the end. I just want to. I'm going to ruin it for people. Kung Fu Mahjong Two. She <laughs> doesn't die in the end. I I fell for you. I fell he for did. it back then. On April 26, if you're looking at our list, 426, we watched On the Right Track from 1981. With the guy, Gary Coleman, who somehow you're tied with the same birth year. Yeah, we were born in the same. stuck on your mind. Yeah. 12 years old in this film. Well, it's about a a homeless kid who's been sleeping in the uh, Chicago train station uh, luggage box because he's so petite. Who has this uncanny knack of picking the horses, which become makes him a celebrity, and also gets into a heap of trouble. Right. And TV's Norman Fell also shows up, and it was a television director, I believe. Uh, uh, Lee Phillips, he was a director and an actor, but he earned a Razzie for worst actor. I don't know, he did all right. <laughs> Maureen well, Stapleton. So we did the lead in uh, On the Right Track, the, the, the adult lead, got a Razzie? Gary Coleman got a Razzie for oh, yeah. Worst Actor. That's too bad. I don't think he was That's too bad. Actor. That's a little harsh. Yeah. Well, I think he produced it, too. It was one of his, so hopefully he made some money off of it back in the day that went to him, of course. Right. The late Gary Coleman. Uh, yeah, it's good. You know what? It's available on YouTube, and if you're a fan of uh, Different Strokes, and if you know who we're talking about, you have an opportunity to watch this theatrical release movie from 1980. Uh, one, it's not very good, but uh, he's funny in it. Yeah. And I have more to say about it, but we're moving on to one of your favorite films of all time. Of all time. On uh, May 3rd, we watched Meatballs 3. And Carl, let me just tell you, here's what I got to say. It was National Foods, Animal House, and Porky's kind of made this whole genre, this whole industry of these teen sex comedies. But both of those films took place in the 60s. Yeah. It wasn't until Stripes from 79 that kind of was a huge film about present-day teenagers awkward about sex and learning about sex and facing it head-on and all that garbage. And there was also like a, a, I think it's called Lemonade or something like that. I forget, but there was oh. other films like that. But, you know, so Meatballs kind of had this thing. The sequel which not a lot of people know about, and I can't find. It had like Phoebe Herman as a bus driver. It had E.T. as a camp member. As a, oh, as a it had a Richard Mulligan as like a general Patton counselor. It was kind of like a hodgepodge. But then Meatballs Three is like a generic. It's like a ditto of a ditto. It's like a, you know a <laughs> third generation dub of what these movies are about. Which is the a, first one that doesn't take place in a summer camp. Oh really? Yeah, it's a summer job. He's got a summer job. Yeah, because they named the full title was Meatballs Three Summer Job. Like I think to differentiate it on yes. the uh, uh, through the markets, but it was Patrick Dempsey who, at the, as a teenager, was in a lot of these weird eighties teenage films. Which you know he's moved on, of course. But he goes. He has a summer job working at like some kind of West Palm Springs. I don't know, like some. Well, Florida. it was a bar. It was a bar. But it was a bar in the docks, like in the water. Like right. it, it was a floating bar. And the guy who ran it was a motorcycle dude. And Me the and dude King. had a girl. And you can't mess with this girl. This girl right. lives on the top floor of the bar. And 
the dude throws guys out who try to fool with his girl and so out of the roof yeah and all the all the partiers are like yeah you tell him buster you know like on it yeah it's like spring break every weekend so he goes to a summer job but also concurrently there is a uh, porn star who died and went to heaven, but can't get to the per- through the pearly gates unless the porn star ghost gets that particular nerd laid during the summer. Right. Roxy. Roxy. Played by Sally Kellerman, our MASH connection, who was right. in Hot Lips. Uh, What's our that? Star Trek connection, too. Yeah. Oh, do tell. Uh, well, it was called... Um... Uh, it was the pilot episode for Star Trek. She was like the ship's counselor kind of person. And she, um, it was called Where No Man Has Gone Before. And it's uh, she, Sally Kellerman. She's well, there our you Star go. Trek connection. She was a celebrity too. She would always do uh, the paparazzi shots. And she was known for going to Cannes Film Festival and getting her photo taken mm-hmm. there as well. And she she plays it like a 1930s dame, which is strange, but the movie well, she is... She plays it like Mae West. She thinks Mae West has a sexy voice. Yeah. So it's a strange film. And then Meatballs 4 was actually Ski Academy or something like that. Uh-huh. Corey Feldman and Jack Nance, HBO changed. Oh, yes, 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 yes. All right. Well, that's why I say one of the greatest movies ever made. May 10th, we watched Mr. Billion. Mr. Billion with a B. I like that film. And uh, it was the star of like the biggest movie star in Europe. He did a lot of spaghetti westerns. He was from Italy. And this was supposed to be the big launch for him in the United States. Right. He was paired against uh, Jackie Gleason, who at the time was still acting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, he had a partner, but he was the partner wasn't in this film. But the guy's charming. You know, he's kind of a cipher in this film. His the character's name is because he's from Italy. Was Guido? Yeah, and that's the right. Is, the slur, the slur. They, I get, they didn't mean it as an Italian slur, but that certainly right. is what it is, and was then too. I guess the man's real name was Guido, but it didn't come off very well. He he got notified that his uh, uncle or something has died, and he can inherit the Trans America the Bank of America building in San Francisco if he drives from Italy to San Francisco. So he flies over to America. The whole company becomes CEO. But Jackie Gleason wants to stop it, and so they're on the road. He flies to America. He meets a gal. They drive across to San Francisco. Valerie Perrine. Yeah, that's right, Valerie Perrine, who's from uh, Cuckoo's Nest, I believe. Yeah, and Cannonball. Yeah, Cannonball, of course. So it, you know, it has its moments. The, the everyone's charming in it, but uh, it was a film. I don't know. It's a strange little film. Yeah, I and, like it. Uh, um, Slim Pickens was in it. Remember? Yeah. Well, golly, okay. I took my farm. I like to move on to the next one, Carlos. Uh, May seventeenth, we watched. What's that? <laughs> well, okay, Rosebud Beach Hotel. Bosom yeah. Buddies guy. Peter Solari gets a hotel and it might as well play like a sitcom. It had, I don't know, it was charming. I don't know. I liked it. Well, I, I mean, it, it had this that guy who always plays Dracula, um, Francisco, um, you know, Count Dooku from Star Wars, remember? Christopher, Christopher Lee, right? Right, so, right, right. Yeah. And Francis Asher. 
Fran Jester, she's yeah, young young eighties Fran Jester uh, dressers. Definitely worth watching. <laughs> she was good at it. Really funny um, in it. Do you remember the uh, the pictures that were Duran Duran album covers? You know what I remember? The Bellboys are a comedy duo, right? Yeah. And they would just yeah. be in their own little world. Right. And they, they talk like, you know, they talk like they were detached a little, they were sticks. Like it was like straight vaudevillian, like yeah. more 80s cocaine type of uh, humor. It was really <laughs> interesting. They had that party in the room downstairs. Yeah. I don't know. It's worth it. It was a, it was a good film. But we, also, don't you remember um, Chuck McCann was in it? Um, yes. And uh, Eddie Deason was in it. He was an alien, remember? Yeah, I, I'm telling you, it's a good movie. Because I think the Rosebud Beach Hotel was that. That was not in California, right? No, it was, it was in Florida. It was Florida. It was the father of Colleen Camp owned it. And he was giving the bachelor party dude, uh, Peter Scolari, a chance to run it and prove himself. Do you remember Mo Monique Gabriel was in that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. It's good. It's solid. So you should check it out. It's oh, amazing. Oh, wait. I know you're going away. So I just got to say the last thing. The lead singer of, um, uh, gosh, what was that band called? Um, the Runaways. You remember Cherry Bomb? Right, it's yeah. Her I'm trying and her to... twin sister. Yeah, that's right. They're in there and they sing the songs, a couple songs in there. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll remember the name. Obviously, our, our listeners know who we're talking about. Uh, Hopscotch, 1980, was our film on May 24th, if you check out that episode on our archives. That's with Walter Matthau, and uh, I, my mom promised me to see that movie, and uh, I did. I, I broke something, and as punishment, I was never allowed to see it. I saw that movie 40 years later, and I'm glad I never saw it as a kid. You know, I, I wouldn't have appreciated it. Yeah, that's right. It really wasn't a movie for a kid. It was a espionage. Um, you can't fire me. I'll be a jerk to you if you do. A film, and I forget how did we just. I I forget how we found it, but but nonetheless, it was just a lot of fun. It was produced by that um, childhood friend of Walter Matthau's, and it was based on the novel. It was all right. Mozart was the the soundtrack yeah well yeah it's definitely like take this job and screw it but it has this geopolitics uh political and very just dry humor to it as he just fucks things up and uh for for other people it's, it's definitely worth watching and it's a great julie christie right was in that as well yeah and glenda jackson glenda and jackson glenda jackson is what i'm thinking of yeah also it changed the movie industry a little bit because they did this direct distribution release to the film. They bypassed traditional methods and just sent it to the theaters themselves uh, and made the theater owners profit participants. And they signed 154 theaters with advanced payments. Sure, we'll take your money and distributed it that way. Right. Well, there you go. And thus created IFC. Uh, on uh, May 20, 31st, we watched one of the second of the three films I loved from this year. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's 2007 film is on YouTube. We're talking about Death Proof. Yeah. I, I, I'll be very brief because I wrote a really long dissertation. It's, it's part of a, it was theatrically released as Grindhouse, 
which had two connecting movies. Uh, first was a Robert Rodriguez film, which I was just watching today, Planet Terror. Oh. Yeah. You know, in, in Planet Terror, there's a scene where in the beginning of the film, the radio says, and this is in memoriam of our own Jungle Julia. So it references uh, Death Proof, and it has characters that show up in Death Proofs. I think my biggest complaint is that it's, they should really release what they release in theaters. Both Death Proof and Planet Terror were re-released on video cassette as extended official theatrical versions. And they added scenes in Death Proof that they should have never included, you know, like the the striptease and then the uh, Paul Shoe, the foot-licking Italian Vogue uh, right, right. convenience store. It's a dream within a dream. You dream about these women, they have phone conversations on their text messages with Simon Christensen, and then they get killed, and then we watch it again, and this time they fight better, you know, like, yeah, it's a very okay. strange movie. One of the weirder movies I've ever seen. It's just, uh, it seems like I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in a dream. The daughter of, of Cheryl Ladd was in it, and, and uh, who Zoe Bell, who was the stunt woman. Right, you know, and that's another weird thing I, w- I would have to say, is that she was a stunt woman for Uma Thurman and Kill Bill. I mean, right. it. in Kill Bill, Uma Thurman did her own stunt and got hurt in a car accident. And that was on Quentin Tarantino's request. And then following movie, he did a film where he took Uma Thurman's stunt woman and put her in distress in a different car situation, yeah. car stunt situation. Yeah. It's weird. You know, he came up with the idea with um, uh, Sean Penn. They were in a hotel together for some reason, I don't know, and they were drinking. And he and uh, Tarantino was like, I w- I'm going to get a Volvo. I'm just afraid of dying in a car crash. It's just stupid. I'm getting a Volvo. And so he said, well, why don't you just get a Hollywood stunt crew, pay them about, you know, $1,500, and they'll death proof it for you. They'll soup it up like, you know, like a NASCAR's cage. It goes death proof, death proof. That gave him the idea, a stuntman's car. I don't know the rest of the slasher stuff, but that's what the you know Perkill. That was his eureka moment. Yeah, and his well, jukebox was in the film. Wasn't that dumb? His jukebox. Well, he shows up as himself, uh, and like he always says, these films where you hang out. So this film, you literally hang out with him himself yeah. in his own bar and yeah. his own jukebox, which he meticulously compiled himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a weird movie. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. What about the sheriff, the son and the the father and son sheriff team? Well, that's why you need to see it as Grindhouse, because they show up first in Planet Terror. First off, Tarantino has always said, I have two types of movies. One about real people, like in uh, Pulp Fiction, you know, mm-hmm. and then the movies they would like to see, like uh, From Dust to Dawn, where the, the Michael Parks sheriff first appeared. Michael Parks appeared and got killed and blown up and, you know, upon on fire uh, by George Clooney in the beginning of From Dust to Dawn. Right. And then Reinhouse, he's he's not only is he alive, but his daughter works as a nurse at a hospital and his son's also, a det- uh, you know, so you meet his mom in the first one and then, and then in Death Proof, he shows, they show up an hour and 15 minutes into the film. Yeah. And they're at the hospital. This is before the zombies from the first movie show up. And the, the daughter is there with Michael Parks. And Michael Parks has a son. You know, they suspect works. it's a murder. They're talking about how they suspect it's a murder. But fuck it. This ain't my jurisdiction. But you know, it's weird. It's like his, his fantasy character is now in the real world. 
I don't know. It's it's a very strange like. Uh, yeah. It, it would help if you seen the first movie and you go, oh cool, that's the guys from that movie I saw four hours ago. You know, they should be together, and it also represents what a grindhouse is. You know, one film, the next film, the next film. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, like the first film had like a lot of war references, which I kind of like because you know during the Vietnam War there was a lot of crappy films. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you can watch both films back to back and maybe feel better for yourself. But it's a very strange film, and uh, so I, I definitely want to single that out. So uh, keep going. So that was the end of May. May thirty first was yeah. Death Proof, and then on June seventh we watched Yahoo Serious and Mister Accident from nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, the last film he ever did, the film that killed his career. I loved this film. It was hilarious. He works in the Sydney Opera House as a uh, egg um, uh, deliver. Uh, well, he can see the Opera House. He works in a factory, an egg factory. It's an egg factory. They use the Opera House as an egg factory, and he has his <laughs> own weird apartment where a lot of uh, accidents happen because he is Mr. Accident. Yeah, Mr. Accident. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's probably how you found our show on your favorite podcast service when you typed in L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. If this is your first time listening, that stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hey, Mike. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. I always wondered if somebody like was uh, about to browse and they, they're, they slipped and their fingers went L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Maybe that's how they found us. <laughs> right, maybe they butt-dialed this uh, podcast by mistake. Well, I do want to give a shout-out to a podcast called LWAFL. Uh, let's watch a full, uh, like, a fucking long television. And it's where uh, two guys watch his, like, seasons on Netflix. It sounds like a great podcast. Happy to promote it. We live in a universe where no other words exist. We have to just make up shit. So anyway, we are Let's Watch Full Lake Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. We broadcast every week. We stream first on MutinyRadio.fm. Oh, my God. Have you even heard of MutinyRadio.fm, Carl? Yeah. Oh, have I heard of it for years now. MutinyRadio.fm. Why not make a donation? Right. Go ahead. They're on Venmo. If you go at Mutiny Radio, you can throw five bucks, and it helps us out. Uh, you can go to GoFundMe and see if we are currently doing a fundraiser. We just concluded one in September. But we would love to get some donations. They have some great shows. We have a show right before us called The Edge of Insanity. We will, I should talk about us first. We are on Sundays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, before us uh, is The Edge of Insanity with Paul Brumbaugh. And uh, what we're going to do is that I've seen, I used to read about movies all the time, and I would read about weird movies, and I just couldn't see them. So I just had to base it on what I read. But now, thanks to YouTube, all these movies are on YouTube, so we get to watch some crazy films. Uh, 
in, in real time. We want you to watch the movie and listen to our podcast at the same time. Carl, what is the movie this week? Uh, this week we are watching Greaser's Palace. That's apostrophe S. Greaser's Palace, 1972. No, it's not a 1950s movie. It is Greaser's Palace, 1972. The channel we like is Sayobhan Shannon, <laughs> which is... Is it Sayobhan? I, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, Sayobhan Shannon, Sayobhan. however we pronounce it. And uh, we want you to go ahead, type in Greaser's Palace 1972, whether, I don't know where you're getting your YouTube, are you doing it through your Fire Stick, through your uh, PlayStation, your Xbox, your laptop, your phone? Uh, go ahead and type in that and uh, hit play. No, when you get to the page, hit pause. Right. And then move the slider to 000, and we'll count it down. Full disclosure, this week I'm watching this movie on Microsoft Edge, mm. or Microsoft Edge wow. browser service. Which, uh, I don't know, it's the first time I've ever going to ever use it for more than five minutes. So, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> we don't pit play yet. Think everything up. And we are very excited, Carl, to kick off this countdown with none other than the robot replacement for our pal Paul Brumbaugh, the usual countdown king. Yes. Please give it up for the Paul Brumbaugh. All right, so let's get this started. I am I am ready. It was a live show. We're very excited to have Paul here as our countdown gentleman. Let's get ready to Brumba. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to Brumba. Okay, so let's get ready to Brumba. And now, what you've all been waiting for, master of the descending numerals, the countdown king himself. Would you please welcome Mr. Paul Brumbaugh? All right, guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over that triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. Launched. Gleaser's Palace. No music in the... Oh, wow, look at that font. Oh, there's no music. Right. No audio, as the closed captions would say. And this is the cast. Yes, they picked the perfect font for us not to be able to read. Yeah, I can't read it at all. Uh, but then again, I don't know Braille. I see Repo Man. <laughs> this is our second movie with a Repo Man, if you include 0 to 60, which I do. Now, this ah, is Robert Downey Sr. So Robert Downey Sr. The famous film director, the uh, bizarre film director. I've, yeah, all right. I have heard of this film. I know that Video Hound gave it two and a half dog bones out of five. Mm. And uh, the Portland, Oregon video store, which I'm sure is not around, called Scarecrow, has their own cult guide, the Scarecrow Guide, and that movie is listed. Uh, so it has some pedigree, I guess. So uh, are you a fan? The review you, of you it like... from, from the video store? Yeah. Did they say well, that it's, uh, spoiler? Ah, ah, Did they mention it? was a Christology. Did they listen? Let me check. No, nothing about them. Uh, uh, uh. What's your opinion on this? Okay, here we go. We start off. Oh, it's the Hateful Eight. Down, down. It. What was the deal with Hateful Eight? Like, they were bounty hunters. There's so many bounty hunters that bounty hunters had to, like, hitch rides with other bounty hunters. And then they were like, what you got in there? Luggage? Nope, three frozen bodies. Okay, throw it on the top of the stagecoach, and we'll never talk about it again. I, re I saw that movie, I forget now. Um, 
Okay, now I think this well, remember is Sam Jackson Research Palace. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Tell me about Research Palace. That's well, I think that's that building is owned by Jerry right now. I think that uh, uh, the guy's name is it's a it's a weird name. It's um seaweed head, seaweed head greaser, and he's like the boss of this town. And we're hearing his uh -huh. daughter singing right now. The there he is. Oh my God, this is. Look at him. He's stroking his chin. I like a man who strokes his chin. <laughs> I didn't know you like men, Michael. <laughs> All right. I do. You know, when I grow out a beard, it looks like that guy's beard. That's why I don't grow out a beard. Ah. So I'm going to lower the volume. All right. I'll turn that off. <laughs> well, basically, she's singing a song about, like, keep your virginity. And meanwhile, it's a room full of lusty men. Right. Well, I guess the advice is not going well. That's the most popular song back then. Now, this woman's face, you probably don't recognize it, but she has been in a million films. Uh, she did a lot of, like, actors training with uh, Jack Nicholson and others. Um, she was in a lot of Roger Corman films, the early ones. She was an easy huh. rider, one of these commune girls who went skinny dipping. Uh, I don't know. She was in a yeah, lot. Of I remember that scene, of course. Yeah. The the commune scene in the beginning of Easy Rider that just kills the film. Like you have this film where they, they have cocaine and the bicycles and they're riding around, yeah. and then they stop off at the commune and the movie just screeches to a fucking halt. And if you can make it past that scene, you can make it through the movie. But it's just like you know, I blame her. The movie doesn't end very well you either. Like, well, the Cowboys. They're dead. Okay. Well, it is 1972, and that's, of course, how every movie ended. Yes. Really, made Disney had some bummer films back in the 70s. <laughs> Save your flowers, she sings. Now, you see that guy in the ghost sheet? Watch what he does. He's the Holy Ghost. He just burns. The guy happens to be Greaser's son, but we don't know that yet. Oh. Now he does it for no. The guy on the ground. Yeah. Oh, did you didn't see it? The guy in the sheet took his cigar and like put it on um, uh, the son's chest, burning him. On his chest, like, like, yeah, that's what James Dean used to like. They called him the human ashtray, James Dean. He liked that. Yeah, uh, from what I remember. I mean, I read about it. I saw that. You no, know, I'll tell you a funny story. Too. Where did you see it? In Terminator Two, in the beginning, the guy goes and puts his cigar out on the Terminator's chest, and it didn't right. hurt him at all. Yeah, right. I think it burned a little robot skin. Now watch what the father. Are they going to hang this guy? Son, watch. Called him a homo? Yeah. No, but it's his name. It's not, he's not insulting him. Oh, I gotcha. Like when we saw Mr. Billion uh, and his name was Guido. No, his name was, yeah, Guido. Right. 
Greta. Greta. They, they were being serious. You see what a oh, man. Does to his son? That's why you should get something other than a tie and cologne <laughs> for Father's Day. You know, like maybe uh, an Amazon card. Little for like hundred dollars. Otherwise, you get shot. Yeah. Listen, do I have a toolbox in my garage? Do I have a garage? Pick, pick next time when you get a Father's Day present. What am I going to do with a wrench? <laughs> this is 1880. Wow, so this is a fucked up family. Okay, here's Robert Downey Jr. 